but I think back and reflect on, you know, the years that I've been in the industry and for so long it was, well, if you didn't grow up in the industry, you know, how much credibility could you really have? And I think that's, I know it's changing. I absolutely know it's changing because to your point, people are coming in with these new innovative ideas that people can kind of look at, okay, this is what we've done in the past. This is this new kind of way out of the box idea, put them together and you come up with something that the industry has never seen before, which is really, really cool. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Hey, Josh, how are you? Matt, I am fan... Just kidding. I'm doing really well. How are you? You can do that. Do it. Go ahead. You do it. Uh, well, I can't do it on the spot. Oh, okay. All right. Maybe next- We'll save it. Maybe later in the episode. We'll figure it out. <laughs> well, do you want to know how I am? How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Whew, glad somebody said it. Thanks for asking. Yes, <laughs> yes. So I have a question for you. Okay. Yeah. So if someone were to ask you, Josh, how do I get into the industry? If I've already worked maybe 10, 15 years in another industry, so they're not coming right out of school. They're not, um, you know, you know in, in, a, in, a, in a school program. How do I get into the industry if I'm interested in getting into the attractions industry? What would you tell them? Well, Matt, I think that's a pretty loaded question. And (laughs) I don't think that I'd be able to just give that response in a concise way that, uh, that answers the question in full. There's probably a lot of different factors at play here. So probably seems like something we could unpack. Why, why do you ask? Did somebody, has somebody asked you about this recently? Actually, I just got off the phone with someone who um, was asking me about this. And so it's, it's a little bit of a mailbag question because I've gotten it before. And I know you've gotten the question before. And so we thought, let's kind of talk about this, right? You know, there are people out there that have worked in other industries and maybe on the periphery have watched the attractions industry, or they're certainly a consumer of what the attractions industry has to offer. And they think, hey, this is something I'd like to get into. And so, yeah, I think we can absolutely unpack that whole question. So um, where do you think we should get started? Well, I think that's a really good question. And just like you said a minute ago, we're, we're doing a mailbag episode. It's been years, I think, since we've done a mailbag episode. In the hundreds of episodes that we've done in this podcast, it's been a while. So I, so this will be fun. And I, I think that that starting point in the career is interesting, especially particularly you said, uh, you know, if they've been a consumer of the industry. When people ask me, how did you get into this industry? I always preface it and say, well, I was a consumer of the product before joining the industry. And if my wife is ever around when I say that, she'll jump in and she'll say, what Josh is really trying to say is he's obsessed with roller coasters. And <laughs> that's correct. That's exactly 100% what, <laughs> what it is. Uh, no need to 
for me to try to put a, I don't know, a more professional title on. And I'm obsessed with roller coasters, loved it and said, would love to be a ride operator and, uh, and did that. And then, uh, and then, you know, have been in the industry ever since. Uh, but there's also a lot of different starting points that people have within the industry. And in some cases, I think it could probably be a benefit for those who are coming from outside the industry. And I know that we talked about that a, a little bit uh, in an episode a few months ago where we covered a, a few current events and looked at a, a few executives and uh, board members who were coming in from outside the industry. Uh, so there's that outside influence that I think our industry uh, really it really benefits from. I think I think that there's a balance of kind of this promote from within and bring from the outside uh, type of uh, circumstance that we tend to see across the board. And I think it's really good to kind of have a, a good mix of both so that our industry can continue to innovate rather than keep doing the same thing over and over again, because that ultimately ends up becoming an echo chamber. So the idea of someone coming in from outside the industry, that that right there, I think, is a point that they can use to their advantage and say, I'm, I'm coming with ideas from, you know, from my practice uh, in, in healthcare, in, uh, in insurance, and, in, you know, in whatever other, you know, industries they might be in and say, okay, well, how can we infuse that into the attractions industry? So that I think is kind of the first initial starting point that I would think of. Absolutely. And I think what I start to kind of reflect on in my career is very similar, right? I didn't, I kind of consumed the product. I wasn't as much of a roller coaster enthusiast, but um, I absolutely enjoyed the park experience and, and wanted to be a part of it. Um, and but you I, became a roller coaster enthusiast. I became, absolutely, absolutely. If you're watching this on video, you see all the stuff that I have behind me, definitely an enthusiast. Um, but I think back and reflect on, you know, the years that I've been in the industry and for so long it was, well, if you didn't grow up in the industry, you know, how much credibility could you really have? And I think that's, I know it's changing. I absolutely know it's changing because to your point, people are coming in with these new innovative ideas that people can kind of look at, okay, this is what we've done in the past. This is this new kind of way out of the box idea, put them together and you come up with something that the industry has never seen before, which is really, really cool. So when I think about, you know, people that haven't grown up in the industry and what they would need to know coming in or as they try to get in, you know, I think some things are similar to what we may have talked about when we talk about, you know, students coming into the, into the industry, but even more so, I think there's a, there's a, a, there's a learning curve, no doubt, but there's also an experience curve. And when you get into working at a, at a theme park or working within the industry, you know, there's, there's a, there's a, a, a mindset and I think there's, a, there's an experience that people have that if you come from the outside, it's really important that you at least understand that and understand where people are coming from. And there's lots of ways to get that. Again, being a consumer of the product is great, you know, because you, you know what the end user result is. Um, but then, you know, talking to people in the industry, talking to people that, you know, you may have connected with on LinkedIn and just getting on the phone for 30 minutes and saying, tell me about what the, what the, um, what the industry's like on this phone call that I just had, the person said, well, what are the pitfalls? You know, what are the pitfalls of, of being in the industry? And to me, you know, the first thing I thought of was that, you know, we have such a diverse workforce, right. That it, it creates some, some issues there, but we also have, you know, um, 
seasonality um, issues, right? And obviously safety has got to be number one all the time. And, you know, there's, there's these things that, that can be, get in the way, but not, not be at a detriment to wanting to be in the industry. So um, I think it's important to kind of think about those things as well as the fun side of, of getting into the industry. Yeah, for sure. Uh, interesting that they asked about about the pitfalls because um, I think that there's uh, there's other ones as you know, knowing that in many cases it's not a nine to five job, which in, it sometimes means work life balance sometimes can can take a little bit of shift or uh, or can be a little bit difficult. But I think that uh, the industry has uh, done a good job or has at least shown a lot of intentionality in trying to smooth that out to be able to support those who are working to to have that not be a pitfall and, and have it be more of a benefit. Um, and I think you make a good point as far as uh, trying to learn as much as possible about the industry. So I think that there's a little bit of a balance for someone who's coming in from the in, the outside, who on one hand has a lot of ideas and experience in other applications that would be unique to test or unique to, uh, to implement within the industry, while at the same time trying to get up to speed with even just some of the small details and just some of the terminology within the, within the industry that's used to be able to make sure that they can hold themselves in a conversation uh, where they not only understand, but also know how to communicate back as well. And that's one thing that, that I've seen just over time for people who perhaps uh, were, were focused more on that that first side of it of I'm bringing in all these outside ideas and then it's like putting a square peg in a round hole and it comes across either very forced or it comes across, uh, it, uh, I don't want to say uneducated, but I mean that only in the sense of the industry and how the industry operates. So the balance between the expertise as well as the humility and knowing that uh, you have more to learn about the industry and wanting to do that as much as possible and asking those questions uh, can really help, you know, set someone up for success when coming in from a different industry. Yeah, there's a couple of things there I think we can unpack a little deeper. Um, number one are the transferable skills, right? So when someone says, hey, I want to, you know, see what would, would happen if I came into the attractions industry or, or made the jump or, you know, tried to try to make that leap. You know, one of the first things I would probably tell them is, you know, or, or kind of ask them about, are there, there are current skills? Like, what are you doing right now? Again, are you in healthcare? Are you in finance? Are you, you know, what is it that you're doing that can actually help out the industry, right? Do you have a legal background? You know, what is it that you have that the industry can use, right? Or maybe that the industry might be lacking in for whatever reason. Um, so I think that's that's part of it because I think typically when people get into a, a, a job or a role for a while, you know, they, they build up some expertise. And I don't know that I've met anyone specifically that wants to completely erase everything that they've ever done, right? There's, there's probably some reason why they they've continued at least a little bit on that path and maybe they want to change the venue, but they really like what they do. For example, if someone is, you know, a lawyer and they've been doing it in one area for a long time and they're like, I just, I, I don't like this area anymore. And, and I really want to stick with my, my legal, you know, outlook. And I really like that part of it, but would really like to apply that in a different industry. Well, just taking, you know, the, the legal aspect of it or somebody who's good at marketing or whatever it is, you can apply that to the new um, uh, industry. And then that's sort of your, your expertise and your foot in the door, 
right? So mm -hmm. you're not coming in completely blind or completely um, uneducated, but you've got some some experience, hopefully as a consumer, and then also from your your previous work that you can say, well, this is kind of where I would see this maybe going. And along the way, you'll learn the terminology. And that was another thing I wanted to unpack a little bit um, because I find myself using, and we talk about this all the time with new team members, right? Don't use the terms that they don't know, right? So I find myself doing this when I'm talking to people, um, you know, and maybe we're talking about the seasonality of the business, you know, for, for a lot of businesses. And then we start talking about the shoulder seasons. What's a shoulder season, you know? And so you <laughs> kind of have to explain those things, but, you know, if someone's really tuned in, you know, they can pick those things up really quickly and, and start talking like an insider so that people will give them the credibility that they deserve. Yeah. Well, what this reminds me of is my personal experience, which when I first started consulting, uh, it was just shortly after finishing up grad school, it was for a consulting firm focusing in luxury hotels and resorts. Mm -hmm. And in my job interview, I was asked what type of experience I have in hotels. And I said, my experience is 100% in theme parks and attractions and amusement parks. And I acknowledged, I said, yeah, there absolutely will be a learning curve. I, now, I certainly have the academic background. I studied, you know, lodging at the, at the graduate level. And, you know, I understand from the, from the research and the textbooks and all that. But I said, I completely acknowledge I've never checked in a guest into a, into a hotel. I've never cleaned a guest room as a housekeeping attendant. I've never uh, parked a car as valet or, you know, taken someone's luggage to their room as a, as a uh, bellman. Uh, and I said, there'll definitely be that learning curve from the technical standpoint. And then I made sure to, to really supplement that and say, this is what I am bringing with me. Part of it is unique perspective from the theme parks industry, which very much can, of course, be applied and, and transferred over to other areas of hospitality, uh, as well as just the overall uh, area that the learning curve will be shorter because of that, because of the past experience that mm -hmm. I have. Uh, so when I was doing that for myself, I, you know, I acknowledged, I said, Hey, 100% haven't worked in hotels. I'm not going to say that hotels and theme parks are exactly the same. Um, but at the same time, I can bring this perspective and I know that I can ramp up much more quickly. Um, so I was able to really use that to kind of uh, suggest why it would be a benefit to bring someone in from outside the hotel industry to be a consultant for hotels. But yeah, I had to learn a lot of that terminology very quickly. There were some things that I was Googling in the middle of doing an audit. I'm writing a report and I'm, I'm going through kind of what I need to audit. And I'm like, okay, what is this? So I acknowledged areas that I didn't know and I made sure to get myself up to speed and also really tried my best to do it without, uh, you know, without looking like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think I did pretty well for the most part. But you know what, what is now springing to mind based on what you just said there is something that Pete Bartow talked about with, which is passion recognizes passion. Mm -hmm. And I think if you, if you come into the industry and you show that you have a passion for it, I think people are going to recognize that whether you started off as a sweeper, a games attendant, or you're coming in with 20 years of experience from a completely different industry. Right. I think I think people are going to recognize that and they're going to they're going to buy into more of what you're what you more of what you're selling uh, of yourself than if you come in and you don't have a passion or you don't show interest and you don't show that you've got an investment in the industry. Um, 
and I can, again, you know, like you spoke from your, your personal experience and I can too. If there's someone that comes in and how do I want to say this? They're, they're just looking to make a mark quickly and not be in it for the long term. I know they're not going to stick around very long. Right. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think this is an industry where you have to make the investment. You have to play the long game. So many have, people have been in it for a long time. And it's because of the passion. It's because of that they, they love what they do or they've, they found a place that just, you know, just, you know, fulfills them. And they are truly in it for the long haul. And, you know, when you come in and I met someone like this at a conference many, many years ago. And, you know, right away he was like, yep, yeah, I could do this and I could do this and I could do this. And I'm like, you've never worked in this industry before. So, I mean, that was, that was me, you know, kind of um, questioning his credibility, but, you know, what I found was that all he wanted to do was take what he did previously and, and put it in the attractions industry without actually learning the attractions industry. Right. And, you know, no surprise, he's not in the attractions industry anymore. So I think that's something that when you're coming in, if you do have a passion for it, whatever that is, right? Whether it's for roller coasters or or it's for the legal side of things or it's marketing, people will recognize that and they will they will um, they will respond to it. I think in a positive way. So I think that's that's important to to be genuine in the passion that you have for the industry, not just for what you can do. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And there was one thing you mentioned, and we've kind of touched upon it a little bit throughout the conversation here is that there are so many people who have been in the industry their entire career, uh, or in some cases, their entire life. Um, you know, we, we were chatting with Brian Knoble a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it was since he was, since he was before, before he could even remember, he was, you know, he was working uh, for Knoble's for the park. Um, and I think that there uh, probably is a way that, or at least to be mindful of if let's say you're going to IAPA for the first time, and this is your first introduction into the attractions industry and you want to network and you want to meet people. Uh, I think you can, you can kind of tell, like, you know, we, we can tell like who's been in the industry for a while and, you know, who's coming in maybe more so with the perspective of, of the individual you were just talking about. And so I think that there's probably things that they need to be mindful of or need to be intentional of, when having those conversations with the individuals, and there are so many of them who've been in the industry for their entire career for, for decades and decades on end of making a mark in a proper way that allows them to show that they're passionate and show that they aren't just trying to transfer previous skills into a cookie cutter application into the industry, but are also very eager to learn and are excited to do that. So that kind of is, is where my mind goes to say, if you, if you're going to, whether it's IAP or any you know, networking event, you know, for the first time in the industry, what should you be thinking about and what type of preparation and maybe research you should do ahead of time to make sure you can come across, you don't need to come across looking super intelligent, but I think curious and passionate is probably the the words that I, I would say I'd probably be looking for that that in and of itself, I think can probably make the most mark and lay a good foundation for what could be a prosperous shift in a career path. Yeah. Well, and I would say, as you, as you talk about conferences, right. And you're going to places where there's going to be lots of people that are in the industry that you want to enter. Um, 
I think one thing to keep in mind is that it's not going to happen overnight. Like this is your first potential step into the industry. And so, you know, just like going to IAPA for the first time or FAA or WWA or whatever it is, you know, you're not going to get a job first time out, you know, typically, right. You're probably not going to meet everybody that you could or want to meet, you know. Um, but I would also say, take advantage of the people who you do meet. And I don't mean take advantage like, like in a bad way, but embrace the people that you do meet. And, you know, if you've done the research and say, well, these are the kind of people that I'd like to interface with and, and po possibly meet and people from these kind of facilities and those type of things. Um, just because you may not meet them or you may meet somebody else, don't downplay that potential meeting. And I know we've talked about in the past, some of the best times to meet people are, you know, on a bus going to an event or sitting next to them in an education session. You've already got something in common and you never know who that person's going to be. Is that person going to be the, the one who is going to set your career on fire and they're going to, they're going to be able to, you know, plan out your trajectory? Probably not, but you never know who that person knows. So that's just kind of a basic networking piece. But I think going into it, the mindset of just go in, meet everybody that you can show your passion, show, you know, um, why you want to be in the industry. And I think the industry will, will embrace. So now I'm also thinking of the flip side of the coin as well, because for that type of individual, and I've been to some conferences for some areas of the industry that I uh, was not as proficient in or hadn't been to those, those events for that association. And oftentimes it can feel like you're walking into a party where you don't know a single person. And in some cases, that's literally what it is. I'm walking into to a room or a lunch or a networking event. Uh, and everyone's talking to each other and they're laughing and they're so focused in conversation. I'm just like, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. So for someone who is coming in from outside the industry and coming, whether again, whether it's to IAPA or any you know, association or event, I, I think those of us who have been in the industry our entire career, we also need to be thinking about those individuals who might be looking for a new career path. And we want to not necessarily just put on our best face and be as welcoming as possible, uh, but make sure that that individual feels comfortable, feels welcome. And even though they might not know everybody there and uh, we may not have known them for as long, I think there's a lot that we can do or we can be mindful of to be hospitable of those who are looking to change their career and come into the industry without having the background behind them as well. So I think one of those things that pops to mind when you when you say that is being in those networking events. I mean, I can picture a couple of them right now where I've seen people, and I know I've been this person before, but I've definitely seen people, they've got their little tray of hors d'oeuvres, right? And they've got their drink and they're kind of wandering around. They don't know where to go. Like they don't want to interrupt anybody pull them in. You know what I mean? A lot of times they have those high top tables and people are standing around, you know, Josh, move over. This guy's coming in, you know, come on over here. Who are you? What's your name? You know? And I think that's one way that we can, we can be hospitable, right. Is to, is to pull them in, introduce them around to different people. But I also go back to what you talked about uh, when, when it comes to research, right. And maybe you reach out to some people that you think you might, you know, have something in common with, and you have a conversation with them before the conference, right? And then you go, and if that person is as hospitable as you've just described, they're going to help inter, inter, introduce you to people 
you know, around and go to and go to education sessions or even, you know, help plan what should you do? What should you avoid? You know, those kind of things. And it's always good to kind of have that leg up. Um, I know that there are people that have been to conferences that I've been to for many years and I knew them before, it, but it was their first time. And I'm always like, yes, let's go meet this person. Who do you want to meet? Let's go meet that, that person. Um, and it helps them kind of um, get up to speed a little faster Still, yeah. it's gonna it's gonna be a, a longer process, but uh, it helps them get get more comfortable uh, in a quicker way. Can I share a story with you? Of course. <laughs> Good. I, here. I was hoping you wouldn't say no. <laughs> I so many years ago, I went to a conference. It was Aztec. It was ASTC, the Association of Science and Technology Centers, because I wanted to network more with people in the museum and science center space. Um, and, and I had a few contacts, but not that many. So I went to that conference for the first time, did not know a single person who was going to be there. I, that association in particular and that conference, they were looking out specifically for what you just described and I, helping to, I would say, bring first timers and get them up to speed. So first of all, there was, you know, there was a session that I went to, like, if you've never attended this conference before, come to this session. It's kind of like the Aztec 101 or, you know, or whatever it was, but there was something else that I had never seen before that I loved and I found to be incredibly beneficial. And that was that they had a mentorship program, not even necessarily a program. It wasn't overly structured, but it was fantastic because they paired uh, individuals who were coming for the first time with a seasoned veteran of the association. So I connected with a woman named Barbara before I had even gone to the show, gone to the conference. We emailed back and forth a little bit. And then when I got there, I was able to meet her and A, I already knew someone and B, I knew someone who specifically was out there to help me get up to speed and make contacts and, and was able to uh, introduce me to people. And I was able to meet a, a lot of other people. So it was kind of this, this fast track into, uh, into what many people have had organically over many years and having many, or having many years of experience in the industry. Sure, sure. So if we switch gears just for a second and talk about kind of, you know, the the insiders version of it, right? I mean, I think that's such a great way to get people up to speed. And then you think about it from the association standpoint or the, the, the new industry standpoint, whatever that happens to be. Isn't it really in our best interest to kind of give give those new people a big warm hug when yeah. they come in and, you know, figuratively or literally depending on, on your relationship, but to, to really embrace them because I'm sure that there have been people that have gone to IAPA or any, any of the associations for the first time. Maybe they weren't all that outgoing. Maybe they didn't meet many people. Maybe they were the ones that were, you know, kind of walking around the networking thing and ended up not talking to anybody. They put their tray down and they went back to the hotel room, never having spoken to anyone. And by the end of the week, they're like, well, this was worthless for me, right? I'm, I'm not coming back. So I think to your point, we have a, a, a responsibility to embrace them as much as we can, even if it's not from an official standpoint, right? Even if you're not, you know, officially part of that association, you're a member and you're there at the conference. So to me, that's kind of part of our responsibility. It's just like giving back to the industry or whatever, you know, however you want to phrase it, we're there to welcome new people in. And so if we go turn that back around, right? If there's people that are looking to get in, 
look for those people that are introducing other people to 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 the new people right and mm-hmm. and buddy up with them so there's i think there's there's learnings on both sides yeah and it's a two-way street it really is i i remember speaking to someone a few years ago uh who said they went to iapa and they got nothing out of it I'm like, well that really is on you i <laughs> you <know? laughs> uh, and i uh, you know yeah at the same time whether whether it's industry associations uh, or just any event or networking opportunity uh, to say, all right, what can we do to make sure that, uh, yes, hopefully everyone is doing the research and, and planning and making sure that they get something out of it for themselves, but what can we do to put training wheels on that as well? And, you know, and, and make sure that, uh, you know, we can, uh, we can help people make connections and get whatever it is that they're looking for, because trade shows and events, everyone has goals that, you know, there's, there's, so many different types of things people could be looking for uh, to improve their career, improve their business, improve whether it's operator, supplier side, networking opportunities, getting a job, educational opportunities. Uh, there's just there's just so many so many outcomes, and being able to uh, to help guide those who, especially if they've never done it before, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to, I would say, kind of map out a, a roadmap for them. So one of the things that comes to mind in, in terms of that roadmap is something for a person that's coming new into an industry or trying to, that's very similar to, I think, what you and I have done from a consulting standpoint. Um, and, you know, I've done a lot of research on, you know, what makes consultants successful and, you know, moving into a, into a, um, a successful business. And a lot of people say it comes down to three things. Other people have to know you and know what you do. They have to like you, so there's got to be a likability factor. It's one thing to know what Josh does, but you know if you don't like him, it's you're probably not going to want to work with him. Um, but then there's got to be a trust factor too, right? Mm-hmm. So I wonder if we could break that down for somebody coming into the industry or looking to come into the industry. How do they get people to know them? I think we kind of touched on this a little bit with trade shows. How do we get people? How do they get people to like them, right? And and have a positive relationship, but then also build trust to where they do maybe want to work with them in the future. So maybe we could kind of break those three things down. Yeah. Okay. This could be fun. I, so no, like trust. So let's start, let's start with no. I, and I gave an edge talk at IAPA last year on, um, well, I think it was called getting promoted means getting noticed, but you were, you were there. I, I kind of touched yeah. on some things of building a personal brand of just kind of some research that I've been done. Um, and I'm doing an edge talk this year as well. That's like networking 102, I think it's being called, um, but it's, but it's also called beyond the business card. So it, it very much is kind of ways to stand out and uh, just some, some things that I've seen and with people that I've talked to and I guarantee I will mention Ben's stories jackets as you know a perfect example of that. I uh, so there is the the no factor of how can you direct attention towards you in a very crowded space. So ways to stand out. One is wear a jacket that is ridiculous. So shout out to Ben for people to come up to him and they just start talking to him and people know he's, he's Ben, he's the guy with the jackets. Oh, Avius surveys, feedback, all that. Uh, and part of it too also could be as you are preparing, uh, doing a lot of outreach and whether it's scheduling meetings, uh, kind of just with the 
the very rigid way that I know you and I have done it in the past of putting it on Calendly and just loading up your calendar with all these meetings. And it's then it's a guaranteed way of people getting to know you and being able to, to actually initiate those conversations um, or at least uh, participating in, in group conversations that just allows people to recognize your name, your face, title, you know, whatever, whatever information is that you're looking to put out there. Uh, so that's, uh, those are a few of the things that I think of from the no standpoint. Absolutely. I, and I think there's, there's, and I know we keep going back to conferences, but that's such a great way to get to know a, a, a business and association and industry. Um, but I think if you can get involved in some of the conversations that are happening online, for example, LinkedIn, right? Somebody posts an article about this, the industry that you want to get into, and you've got a thought on it, right? And you put that thought in there and maybe it's a, it's a, it's a, recognition of the the person who wrote the article or if it's a you know a different point of view you know presented in a respectful way whatever it is right getting involved in those kind of conversations starts to get people's minds like thinking about oh there's that 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 name again right maybe i should connect with that person and now maybe i can you know get to know, know that person in person when we when we when we get together at, at a conference so i think there's those kind of ways to allow people to get to know you or at least get your name out there and then i do think it goes back to you know the the two-way street of if you're walking around a networking event you know muster up the confidence if you don't have it to just go up to someone and, and say hello um yeah and just you know, getting your name in front of people, getting your face in front of people um, consistently, that's ultimately what's going to lead to the like and the trust, but they have to know you and know who you are first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of going back to sort of the preparation, kind of the LinkedIn, the yeah. online component is not to be shy to reach out to people. Maybe, right. maybe you heard them on a podcast and they shared their contact info at the end of it. Many of our guests do that. You know, if you reach out to them and say, hey, we heard you on Attraction Pros, uh, you know, are, are you going to be at this event? Or it doesn't even need to be a request. It could just say, hey, I, you know, I, I loved listening to it. You know, thanks for all that you do, you know, wh whatever it is. Uh, then at that person or at that point, that person now probably appreciates that outreach, especially if it's, you know, it's not for any type of gain. It's not for any type of salesmanship or anything or, or whatever it is uh, that at least it just establishes the the connection and with the communication channels we have today, it's, uh, you know, it's so great, you know, to be able to do that. Um, you know, or, or one of the things you said a few minutes ago, even reminded me a couple of weeks ago, someone reached out to me uh, just to schedule an intro call and said, Hey, Josh, it looks like, you know, we, we run in a lot of the same circles. We'd love to, uh, you know, have coffee with you, or at least, you know, jump on zoom and, and chat. We had an intro call this week. And now I, I, I feel like I've made a new friend because, you know, that person reached out to me and uh, I probably would have reached out to him, you know, regardless, or, uh, you know, at, at some point. Uh, so now it's, it's a, a connection there through just a lot of online and digital engagement. So mm -hmm. a lot of different ways that you can get to know people and get people to know you as well. I'm so glad you mentioned that in the, in that way. I don't know if you've probably heard me say this, that my wife, Linda will always say that if I, if I see somebody like on TV, like they're doing a special on universal and there's somebody on there, I'm like, I used to, I know that guy, I used to work with him and blah, blah, blah. And Linda's always like, well, do they know you? Like that's <laughs> so there's, there's that, that, that double-sided, right? It's because 
it's it's one thing to know other people like and obviously the access is so much greater now with social media right i could say i know that person but do they know you and i think that's an important (laughs) point does you know it's one thing to say i know that person because i saw them on stage or i saw them on linkedin or i saw their post but do they know who you are would they be able to introduce you to someone else my wife and I have had the same conversations. <laughs> so now instead of saying, oh, I know that person, they'll be like, oh, that guy follows me on Twitter. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that guy liked my tweet the other day. <laughs> nice. nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. Speaking, speaking of the word like, um, mm, talk a little bit good about segue. the no. Thank you. We talked yeah. a little bit about the no. Let's talk a little bit about like. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things for me that I think really helps, and this is just per- person on person, right, is when you, when you genuinely connect with someone, and I think that goes back to what Pete said about passion, recognizing passion. Um, the call that I had that kind of inspired part of this conversation, at one point, the gentleman says, well, I'm a roller, co- I, I think I said, I'm a roller coaster nerd. And he said, so am I, you know? And so I'm like, okay, well, later on, we got to talk about our favorite roller coasters. And, you know, that ended up being a, a good bit of the, the end of the conversation. But I think just being able to open up and be a little vulnerable and share more than just well, I did this and I did this and these are my accomplishments and this is how I can help your sales team and whatever it is, but just being able to get to know each other as people and mm-hmm. then figuring out what those common bonds are. Like the gentleman that you had the, the, the Zoom call with, you say now he's a friend, a new friend. So there's someone, something that you liked about him that you want to continue that relationship. And I think that's, that's kind of the, the key nugget of this particular uh, criteria. Yeah, I think the the humanizing element yeah. is so important. So it's not just oh, I recognize that name. I've I've gotten a notification about this person on LinkedIn or or whatever it is. Uh, which also then, I, I would say maybe this backtracks a little bit into no. But when you are sharing content on LinkedIn or you're you're responding to something or whether it's on Twitter, is don't forget the personal element of it. You know, LinkedIn. Yeah, it's a professional platform, but you can be human on it. Like yeah. there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I, another thing um, in terms of being liked or likability, and I know that we've talked about this uh, when it comes to uh, just networking advice and networking skills is trying to make the conversation more about the individual you're talking about rather than about yourself. Uh, and you touched on that a minute ago of just, here's my list of accomplishments, bullet point, blah, 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 blah. Um, I've had people come up to me at networking events and say, hi, Josh, I've always wanted to meet you. I am X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. Can I give you my business card? <laughs> and I've said, sure. And I'll be honest, I know that that's happened a number of times. Could not tell you the name or or job or whatever it is of any of those individuals <laughs> who have done that because there was never uh, an actual conversation there. So that's one thing that I, I really try to do, I try to be intentional about that and, and saying like, I'm not here to talk about me. Like I'm, I'm going to ask you so many questions that you get to the point that you've said, I've talked enough about myself, you know, Josh, tell me, tell me about you as, you know, what about this and this and this? Uh, so it's like, until they change to the conversation uh, is, uh, and we, yeah, it, it falls into likability. And of course it's also just a, a good networking tip as well. Yeah. So I just thought of something that probably is out there somewhere. Um, but you know how we have the the elevator pitch or the elevator spiel, you know, you tell yourself, tell about yourself in 30 seconds or whatever it is, what you do and encapsulate that whole thing. Well, what if we flip that and said, we're going to have an elevator question, 
Ooh. Right. Don't so it does exactly what you just talked about, where we're now putting the emphasis and the attention on the other person. So instead of me going up to you and I'm meeting you for the first time and I've got to I've got to give you this spiel that I've practiced for for weeks and weeks and weeks. Instead of that, have this elevator question in your pocket that you could ask anybody. Right. You know, how long have you been in the industry or, you know, whatever, you know, what's your favorite attraction or, you know, if you weren't doing this, what, what else would you be doing? You know, whatever that question is that gets the conversation going, because ultimately that's what's going to um, uh, inspire people to like you a little bit more rather than you, you just rattling off what you do and say, here's my business card. Yeah. It's almost like having some informal icebreakers in your back pocket. Yeah. 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 And, and the more obscure, and this is me actually just talking off the cuff, not anything that I've particularly done, but the more unique or the more obscure it is, the more you will be remembered, which probably goes back to the no standpoint. And the more that person will remember the actual conversation that they had with you. Absolutely. One of, one of my favorite questions to ask, and I'm, I'm sure I stole this from somebody online was, um, you know, what's the most important part of a pizza? Hmm. So some people will say crust, some people say the toppings, some people say the cheese, some people say the box, because that's what keeps it. I was thinking the box, yeah. as, as, you know, but it's a, it's a, it's a question that kind of makes people think. And then, you know, who knows where that conversation goes from there. I'm going to ask that to somebody sometime soon. I might steal <laughs> that. <laughs> good, good, good. Okay. So cool. we've talked about no, we've talked about like, let's talk about trust. Okay. No, like trust. So I think maybe some elements that we've already talked to kind of uh, either fall into this or funnel into it leading to, it's one thing to be known, it's one thing to be liked, it's another thing to be trusted. And I think this is where a lot of it goes hand in hand. If you are networking, if you are introducing yourself to other people of not making it look like you are doing it for your own personal gain whether it is to get a job, whether it is to make a sale, whether it is uh, to just show off something about yourself, whatever that is, uh, to get a promotion. But now you are focusing on establishing a relationship, uh, building friendship within the industry, which is all about playing the long game. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to trying to be trusted, it is a long-term strategy that hopefully, yeah, there might be some short-term benefits out of it, but the conversations that you're having today could come back to benefit you in a year, in five years, or in 10 years. Yeah. And I don't think you build trust by having one conversation with someone at a, at a conference, right? I mean, that's, that's not how trust works, right? It is a long game. So yeah, I think one of the things that, that comes to my mind is, you know, it could be very, very simple, like, hey, you know, here's my business card, send me that report that we talked about, or send me that video mm -hmm. that we talked about, and actually doing it, right? So following up. So again, one of the things we've talked about before is write a little note on the back of that card that says, this is what we talked about. This is what I'm supposed to do. That one small step builds trust, right? And then mm -hmm. maybe later on, it's say, hey, just wanted to check in and see how you're doing. Thought of this other video that was like the one we talked about, here's something else that you might, you might like, or, you know, hey, it's been a while since we've, we've caught up. Let's just get on the phone. Let's get on a Zoom and see, you know, see what each other has been up to. So I think yeah. those long and, and that's with or without an agenda. If you yeah. do that, yeah. sorry to yeah to interrupt, but yeah, thinking like it doesn't need to be. Hey, I want to talk to you about X, Y, Z. It's let's catch up and chat. I've had some yeah. great conversations that have led to things from those types of meetings. Yeah. 
Yeah. So maybe I'll, I'll, I'll put it back on, on, you know, kind of thinking through it from our perspective, when you think of a new connection, what is it that allows you to trust them? When I think of a new connection, what allows me to know that I trust them? Um, I think that if they have some sort of intentionality about the relationship that uh, is a two-way street and that they are looking to establish new connections. And in some ways it's, it's okay if it's about something that they need that I have, if, if I've got a connection that they're you know, looking for an introduction to. Um, it, you know, there was someone recently who reached out who will be attending an event for the first time that I'll be at, that I've been to a few times, and they wanted to meet and chat. And I was confused by that because there wasn't there wasn't anything actually like concrete to that. So we were just talking a second ago of like, you know, having those follow-up meetings just to say, Hey, let's, let's catch up. That is, I would say like, that's a stepping stone of trust, but it probably isn't an initial, that's not like the initial outreach. It's, Hey, I've actually got some questions about X, Y, Z. I see that, you know, a lot about this. Uh, if they say, Hey, can I pick your brain for 10 minutes? That, you know, right there says, okay, like, you know, and, and I want to be respectful of your time. Um, um, somebody said that they wanted to schedule a meeting with me and then sent me a link to their calendar app. And I thought, okay, that I feel it should be the other way around. If you want to schedule a meeting with me, I'll send you my calendar app. I, you know, you're the one who wants the meeting. Like, I'm not going to search around and, and, and click for it. I, so I think those uh, those elements of, of trust tie into, uh, I want to be respectful of your time. I want to be respectful of whatever it is that I'm asking from you. Um, and it's more than just, I need something from you and I know you have it. Uh, but I, you know, I'm, I'm also interested in establishing the connection and starting a networking relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Really what comes to mind. And I think you described is some kind of mutual benefit, right? Mm -hmm. Even if it's just, hey, I know you're you're a cool person, right? We'd like to hang out, and you know, we just we just have good conversations, and and that's all it, it mm -hmm. might be. But there's some sort of mutual two way street um, uh, benefit relationship happening. To me, that's that's what trust is all about. So it's it's about you know doing what you say you're going to do. Obviously, you know, being able to invest in that relationship. But even thinking about people that you know outside of the work world right? There's people that you trust that you're never, ever going to do business with, mm -hmm. right? And it's because they've been there for you. They've supported you in whatever, you know, um, uh, project you're working on. Um, they've asked about things in your life that, you know, maybe are personal and you, you feel like you can trust them to talk about it because you know that they're not going to go blab it out to somebody else. So all those things are built over time, which is right. Why trust is such a, a an important piece of any relationship. Um, but certainly as you're, you're trying to get into a business or trying to get into an industry, you know, establishing that you're a trustworthy person that, oh, by the way, Hey, I like you. I know you now we can talk about maybe doing some business together. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you want to be known, you want to be liked, you want to be trusted. 
I, whether, whether you've been in this industry your entire career or whether you are coming into this industry from the outside with a professional background that has a lot of transferable skills that you can use to make a mark, I, I think, we, think we had a pretty good conversation here. I think we had, had some pretty uh, concrete takeaways. I think so too. Um, and I'm, I'm glad we were able to kind of talk through, you know, what it would be like for somebody to come in and become an attraction pro, right? If you, if they didn't grow up in the industry, how do you uh, kind of jump in? And as I reflect on a lot of things we talked about, it's a lot of networking stuff, right? Um, but I think there's also that, that added um, maybe concern that you are coming into a party that you don't know anybody and you've got this experience, but you don't know how to communicate it. So if you go back to the personal side of know, like, and trust, um, I think you'll be able to, to kind of come into really any industry or any, any uh, situation uh, and be successful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great point there. Uh, I think this, yeah, could be a great note to end on as well, because whether you've been in this industry your entire life, your entire career, or whether you're coming in from the outside, there's one thing that is true of all of that. And that is, we are all Attraction Pros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.